Hey, what's up? That's me, Victoria Glam, the host of the Glam Life Podcast. I've spoken on stages around the world, but this is where it actually started, in a small town, just like you. I bought this building, I built this business with my loving husband, and then I made a lot of really famous friends. And now I want to bring their expertise to you every week on the Glam Life Podcast. I'm Victoria Rocca. You might know me as Victoria Glam if you follow me over on Instagram. If you like this mirror, you can buy your own at shopbrowsister.com. Merch. (laughs) Welcome to the Glam Life Podcast. I'm your host, believe it or not. Uh, This season, season three of the Glam Life Podcast, I'm really trying to bring you as much valuable content surrounded by uh, or crafted by open, honest conversation as possible with people who are just proven winners in the industry. I want people who have done the things that you and I wish we could do, right? And I'm going to grill them. I'm going to ask them, what's your secret to success? And our guest this week is incredible incredible. Hailing from beautiful Calgary, Alberta, just as Shay Danielle last week. Um, she's someone who has really earned her stripes in the permanent makeup industry. And then some, I'm talking about the one, the only Jody Stosky. Now, if you haven't heard of her yet, you are in for a real treat this week because Jody is not only well-respected. Um, she's also a legend, a legend in the paramedical tattoo scene. So this girl has some serious street cred, okay? Not only did she beat cancer, but she then tattooed her own thyroid scar. She tattooed her own scar and camouflaged it, which is kind of amazing. I didn't even know you could do that. So once she tattooed her own uh, surgical scar, yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg though, because she also, a little tidbit for you, she also apprenticed under Dr. Linda Dixon. Um, you heard me right. Dr. Linda Dixon. And she is a, if you don't know who she is, she is a pioneer in the world of permanent makeup. She was the president of the AAM for something like 20 years. Um, She's treated over 10, not Linda, Jody has treated over 10,000 paramedical and cosmetic patients. 10,000. She's worked alongside doctors, um, clinics. She's kind of done it all. I would say that. I mean, it's serious expertise in the room with us, honey, but here's the kicker. Jody and last week's guest, Shay Danielle, not only are they both living in Calgary, but they're very good friends. Actually, when I asked Jody to be on the show, she was with Shay and Shay had just committed and, and Jody was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Amazing. Amazing. So they are the physical embodiment of collaborators, not competitors. And I love that. I love that. So please help me give her a very, very warm welcome. And let's kind of dive into the world of of paramedical tattooing with the remarkable Jody Stosky. Trust me, you do not want to miss this incredible conversation. Let's get into it. Real quick, before we get into it, let's talk a little bit about today's sponsor, who is our everyday sponsor, our total hero. Uh, Brow Sister PMU Products is our go-to place for all things permanent makeup, home to world-famous pink gel, secondary anesthetic, and also to the beloved uh, Prilocaine-Lidocaine combination of pink cream, which is an amazing primary numbing, so that your clients can feel just as good as you make them look. Okay. Let's get into today's episode. Cody, you are, let's just start there. You are a big deal. You are actually, I would call you world famous. So many people know you and not necessarily everyone knows what paramedical tattoo is, but if you do, you know the name Jody Stosky. So talk to me a little bit about how you got into that because before you were actually, you had a very long career 
in film makeup, right? Yes. How did that start? Well, if we rewind back, I graduated in business, but always had a really strong artistic and creative background and come from a long line of entrepreneurial people. So what happened was I started off being a artist as something that I just thought would be fun and got into that via Chanel. And that's how everything got kicked off. So as time went on, I became more of a freelance makeup artist. And I did not only films, but I really paid my dues with wedding makeups on the weekend. And let me tell you, there is nothing... (laughs) to a bridezilla for anything that I deal with today. So I think I was a seasoned vet before I even got started in PMU. And then uh, after that, I was brought on by a company that did fall and winter trends along with spring and summer trends in Europe. So we would travel back and forth there executing those looks. Um, It was a really incredible career for me, not only to be in all of those different different components, but also in television. So in Calgary, where I live, there definitely was not you know, a place for a makeup artist full time like that. So I was really fortunate to have that as part of my entry into PMU. So once the once that concept came in to, you know, my world, I thought, this is such a cool way for me to do what I do all the time with makeup, but on a longer lasting premise. And so the the cool thing about that was my whole makeup career, people would always say to me, like, I just wish I had you in my, you know, my bathroom every morning and you can do my makeup for me. And then that was really what ended up happening. I have no way of, you know, predicting that or thought I would be here today. So that was kind of the Cole's notes of, you know, pre PMU. And then when I did decide to get into PMU, it was through a lady who was a physician in Korea, but couldn't apply her medical degree in Canada. So she started doing PMU and and that was the paramedical part of it was what interested me the most. Like I, I love makeup and that was a huge part of, of my life. And I thought how cool it would be to execute that request of people saying, I wish you were in my bathroom every morning, but the paramedical stuff as it is with so many people was just like hard, fast stop. I couldn't believe these things could be done. And the realism of these tattoos, just, I was just so taken aback that I knew that was something that I really wanted to get into. And I just with both feet jumped into that and started training with her. And I actually spent the next four years with her, which is definitely a significant longer period of time than what you can see people training with today. Not that that's a good or bad thing, because I also think the learning curve has become way more simplified. It's not as steep. I feel like I had to make so many mistakes to get to the place that I was because there was no one to guide me beyond what I had learned. And I think as someone who's creative, I, I kept thinking how I could take it to the next level. So, you know, in doing that, there was a lot of mistakes that were made and concepts that were great and then concepts that weren't so great. And that's what I can provide now is those experiences and learnings that people don't then have to make those types of mistakes. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about paramedical tattooing now is that you really can achieve the types of results in a much shorter period of time than someone like myself went through that was just trailblazing. And it was like the wild, wild west. There was, it was nothing like it is now. I mean, people would just absolutely cringe at, you know, the way we did some things. Um, And then another person that I got involved with was Linda Dixon. And she was pediatric anesthesiologist who then turned into more paramedical and cosmetics. And, and she had more of that medical component that she brought to the table, similar to my other trainer um, and mentor. But 
I loved that. I loved kind of that sciencey medical background to really explain to people. And that really makes me tick. So to have someone else in my life like that training me and, and guiding me was really unique. I don't think there's a lot of people nowadays that would have that type of experience. So with her, you know, we worked together and we would do teachings and, you know, a couple different conferences together. And I can remember showing her microblading and she just like fell off her chair. There was, it was in Vegas. And I just heard, I was talking to Michelle Ruckney the other day and she said, you know who I just bumped into and started talking to Dr. Dixon and, and your name came up and I'm like, of course she knows you. And we were laughing because Dr. Dixon had said, she was the first person to show me microblading and she showed it at this conference and everybody was so freaked out. Like <laughs> they, they thought there, I was crazy. There was no way that this would become a thing. And, but for me, I was thinking, you know, makeup brushes, I would use the proper yeah. brush for the proper job, right? Like if I needed to do a thin eyebrow um, or a thin eyeliner, I'm going to be using the specific brush that matches that. I'm not going to be using a big blush brush right. to create that look. So the whole thing just translated in my mind of like paint brushes to needles, needles to paint brushes. And so when I'm thinking, how can I make an eyebrow look really realistic, i.e. hair strokes? Well, it, it didn't make sense in my mind because smaller needle configurations didn't really exist back then. Mm -hmm. and, it, and I wasn't really being trained with a, a traditional tattoo machine because rotary wasn't really a thing yet. So it was right. like this big, very coil machine, which I just was like, oh my God, like, I think mm -hmm. I need heavy metal music if I'm even going to bust this thing out. Like it was just remember, such a, remember Will Anthony made his coil machine and it had the WA like welded into the design. Yeah. I yeah. wanted one of those so bad. Oh, <laughs> By the time I could afford one, I didn't need it. <laughs> I love I, but I was scared of that. And it was learning that was me exposing myself to body tattooers and body tattooers hate are us. Mean. They're mean. They have mad well, they were. egos. I just, yeah, like, I just thought, how am I going to do that? I had approached multiple um, artists like that. And they had said, one of the common answers I got was, well, I need you to, you can come in and you can be an apprentice, but you basically have to be a shop cleaner for a year. Yeah. And I was like, uh, no, I don't have that kind of time to be a shop. Like, no, this is, I don't want to live in this world. I just want to learn this certain component of it, but that just, they don't operate that way. Well, they don't doing. think. So that was kind of a, a dead end for me with that. But the getting back to microblading, I, I was like, oh my God, I can manually do this. This makes sense in my head. Plus it's this tiny little configuration of needles that I could then like create this little line, which I could then tr translate into a brow, which I could translate into a brow that looked realistic and the rest of it. So I, I was just, sorry, my other phone, my other line was just ringing. No worries. So I could then translate what I was imagining an eyebrow to look in a tattoo as realistically as I could. And even when I look back at some of my work, I mean, there's definitely a fair share of horrendous stuff, but I could see the concept coming together right away with what I was doing. And obviously that evolved, but I was, I was thinking on the exact same lines, right. To start with as to a lot of the ways that I think now and the way that other artists, you know, teach and train. So it was, it's kind of interesting to look back for as, you know, horrible as some of it is, there are some really good things and things that I still do today. Cause I've been doing this since 2008. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I did read that it's in several places. So it must be true that you have serviced over 10,000 services. 10,000. Oh Over 10,000. I, I want to say that has exponentially grown. Um, those numbers were thrown out, I bet you, five years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think people are like, oh, she's exaggerating. Um, 
Hey friends, commercials are really annoying, so I'm going to make this brief. Head over to shopbrowsister.com and use code GLAMLIFE20 for 20% off of anything you'd like to purchase there and keep this podcast going. And that's exactly what we're going to do and jump right back into today's episode right now. It, it's not. If you saw my database of clients, it would literally blow your mind. But Probably again, that. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just... There, like one day at a time, like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? It's just one bite at a time. And, and that is how I grew that. And I was one of the fortunate people to get into this industry, like right at ground level. Yeah, I was, Let I me, was, I wanted to ask you about that. Actually, how were you introduced to the concept of paramedical tattooing? Right with the first um, physician that I trained with. So how did in, you link up? Well, she was doing tattooing in Calgary and I had seen her for my eyebrows. And this was like back in the day where the concept of it, like if I told people that they'd be like absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, like ever, ever. They'd be like, you're what? You're tattooing your face. Like it was just beyond any type of idea that they could, could fathom. And so she had said to me, I, she knew I was a makeup artist and she said, you know what? I think you'd be really good at this. You should train with me, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how that got started. I hear that pretty often from students and from colleagues who say, oh, yeah, I was introduced to this when I was getting my own brows done. People told me of the other possibilities, the other things that you could do. How did you meet Linda Dixon? And did you actually go to Hawaii and train with her? Yes, I've been to Hawaii so many times to see her. Um, It's ridiculous. I did. I was um, on the Academy of Micropigmentation board. I was a fellow for a long time. So back in the day, and I don't know if this is still how it exists, but you you would get this like textbook this thick and you'd you know, go through it, learn everything. And then you'd be tested. And if you didn't get 90 or above, you wouldn't be a member. And then I did really well on that test. I think she liked, you know, what I had to offer and, you know, where my thoughts were going with this and asked if I wanted to be on the board. So I was, and it was, there was some really cool things that were being talked about, like forensic tattooing and identifying people with tattoos. It was just such a crazy time of how people were integrating different things into that world. It was fun. That's amazing. Okay. So I didn't realize that she had actually reached out to you and it was based on basically being like an A student. Were you that way in school? Have you always been like a teacher's pet? I'm so jealous of your relationship with Linda Dixon. Oh my God. I was the farthest thing from a teacher's pet. I got in trouble a ton. I didn't like going to class. I skipped a lot. Uh, If any, if I could ever get somebody to do my homework for me, (laughs) I was like in. (laughs) That's so funny. I, I, cannot relate. I really wanted an A and I really wanted a pat on the head. Good job. You did a good job. Well, Um, you know what? I will honestly say that I was only like that in this industry. And I think because I was just so I was so passionate about it that it wasn't that I was trying to be that way. I was just so invested and I wanted to learn absolutely everything I could about it. And that's what that ended up looking like. But it certainly wasn't like that in school for me. I've seen you speak before about your own thyroid cancer and the connection that you have to paramedical tattooing because you tattooed your own scar, right? Yes. Were you nervous to do that? Because of course our work is a showcase, right? And everywhere you go, you'll be the girl who tattooed her own, I don't know, is it your throat? Is it your upper chest? It, my throat, yeah. Oh, how did you tattoo your own throat? What were you thinking? Were you nervous? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Before I had cancer, I had tattooed my face many times right? because again, of like way back in 2008 or nine that nobody was doing this. I had nobody to go to, but I wanted um, these procedures done. So 
you know, it's like when push comes to, to shove, I thought, well, we're, we'll give it a whirl. And I, I tattooed everything. I've tattooed my brows, my eyes, my lips before. Not that I recommend that, but then leading into having a really big scar across my throat, tattooing that, I, it's not even a sense of being nervous or anything. I just, I love experimenting on myself and seeing what's going to work and doesn't, doesn't work. And I thought, well, you know what, whatever, if it doesn't go well, I'll just move on to the next thing and see what I can do to fix it. I love that about you. You're basically an alchemist. You just kind of take what you've got and turn it into something else. Or if that doesn't work out, turn it into something else. It seems like you've kind of done this your entire career. Hey, when you, um, when you got that diagnosis, did you already have children? Yes. You have Ryder because I found his Instagram by accident. Yes. Who else? I'm sorry. What? Lincoln. Lincoln. It cut out. So do they have any part in your business? Because I know Kevin works with you. So my husband, Kevin, does work with me, and that's probably about a couple years old now. He was in oil gas before. Oh. I don't always will ever have anything to do with my work. They're they're just not interested in it. And <laughs> you should have had a girl, and then she could have been in your business. And, mm-hmm. and that would have been cool for sure, but it's not how the cards played out, which is totally fine. They're always, they think it's cool what I do. I've tattooed my son, Ryder. Uh, and I, and I do treatments on not my youngest Lincoln, cause he's only 15, but you know, on my husband and Ryder. So yeah, they, they can't run, they can't run from me. That's amazing. I have two sons also, and oh. I hired them. They work for me already and they're four and five, but they do little things, you know, they vacuum the shop. They put skew stickers on things in the, um, in the warehouse, they do little things and it just goes into a little investment account for them. But one of them last year, last summer was actually trying to do SMP on a, on a, uh, a cantaloupe. I couldn't think of the word. Oh. And he was like, this is so cool, mommy. I want to be like you. And I knew right then and there, it was great that I didn't have a girl because I think that I would damage a girl's psyche. Like I'm too <laughs> intense. I, I think that I would make her very insecure by accident, but with boys, I'm just like, toughen up, get together. Yeah. I think it's so cool that you, you bring the family into it. Even if it's Kevin who works with you day to day and not the kids. I think that's a model that I've seen across several different, really successful couples. And it seems to really work. And my husband's in oil and gas. He's a, an engineer in the oil field. So he doesn't work with me in my business, but he does everything around the business. He built the shop for me. He fixes things all the time. Um, he'll be coming with me. We're going to the UK PMU conference and we're going to Woolop. I love that. But how did that conversation start that you were like, okay, listen, Mr. Oil and Gas Man, I need your help in my beauty business. Is that how it went down? Well, not exactly. So this is COVID started and my husband got Ramsey Hunt, which people are now more familiar with because it's what Justin Bieber had. Yeah. It- it's kind of odd. They don't necessarily know why you get it, but essentially it's shingles in your ear, which really affects your facial nerves and a host of other things. But it completely paralyzed Kevin's face. Like he looked like he had a stroke and an extreme one. Like I bet you his face was about an inch lower from oh one side. God. And some people never regain yeah. that to come back. So it was a pretty scary time. And his position in oil and gas was procurement. And he would be working on deals that were worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And it was it was a lot. And it was high stress. And I think after he suffered Ramsey Hunt, it was it became a struggle for him to then put himself back into that. And in the midst of it was like all COVID and crazy and people working from home and and the rest of it. So he did it back for a while. And in the meantime, my business is really doing well. And I'm kind of constantly hiring people. And then on the back end with marketing and for me, it's like, yeah, it's great to grow your team, but it also then puts so much more work on my end to make sure those people are doing what they need to do, managing it, it making sure nobody's stealing from you. And it's just, it's one other huge ball of wax to, to be dealing with. And so as 
Kevin, I can tell, is struggling a little bit. I actually consulted one of my super good friends, Shay, Danielle, who I know that you have done another podcast with recently. And her and Blair, her husband, work together. And I called her and I thought, okay, this is what I'm thinking. What what are your thoughts? Help me out. Is this something that I should do to ask Kevin if he wants to come work with me? Because I was nervous about that other relationship and then it damaging our marriage, being, you know, working too much together and the rest of it as you would, right? Yeah. she had said to me, you know, it's actually made Blair and I's marriage even better. And one of the things that stood out to me is that they do very different things. Like a day in the life of Kevin and the day in the life of Jody are very different. They they don't actually collide very often. I mean, we definitely talk about business and have to run through different things, but all in all, it's it's fairly separate and it works so well. What he brings to the table and what I bring to the table really complete the whole picture. Are there boundaries carved out there? Like, you know what? On date night, we do not talk about almost like having a newborn baby. Like, don't talk about the baby. This is a date night. Does that happen? Or do you, I don't know, some people, I think that's almost erotic for them. Like, oh yeah, let's talk about this new deal we're going to sign. Okay. So when we first started doing this, I think we were both so excited that I feel like we talked about work nonstop. You know, I'd come home and I'd be like, hey, I had this idea or and he would say, this happened today. And we were so excited talking about it. But then the honeymoon phase of that, wore off. So once the honeymoon phase kind of came to an end and I'd come home from work being really exhausted and all just work worked out, Kevin would come up to me and be like, oh, you know, cause he hasn't seen me all day. So he has all these things that he wants to talk to me about, ask me this, ask me that. Yeah. And I just said, Hey, listen, like when I come home from a day at work, we're done. We're not talking about work anymore. And, and how that played out was, I didn't actually say that for a while. I just, I come home and I'd, I'd say, I'm just, I can't talk about work right now. Like I just need to decompress. I'm peopled out and the rest of it. And then I just noticed that that was much better for me. So I said, okay, we just, once I'm done work, I'm done work. And he really respects that. But it took a minute to kind of figure out that that was what I needed. Even now, I, if I'm not working in a day, he will, he knows that he can just have me for a very small percentage of that because I have other things that I want to do. And I need that time as well. But I do think if we had to work side by side together, it probably wouldn't be healthy. But the the reason this works and the reason why it's really successful and great is because we have such different roles in within the work scope. And there's two businesses to manage. We have Cinnamon Girl Clinic, which is my brick and mortar, all tattoo, all artists, all admin, all in marketing. That's a big chunk. And then the other big chunk is the academy where I'm teaching all paramedical and managing the students that we have in you know, over 40 countries. So that's kind of crazy. And just the social media aspect of both businesses, it is a very full-time job. And that's a whole third job. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's a whole third job. Kevin would say all the time, it was kind of a feather in my hat. He's, he would say, I cannot believe how you did this by yourself. Like, how were you doing it? And I, I said, well, I mean, the, the reality of it is, is that I was drowning, which is why I continued to keep hiring people. So it, it probably wouldn't have been long before the whole like wheels fell off. <laughs> general with everything. And I think I would just have to really scale back and not be where I am today because it's just not humanly possible. And there is zero work-life balance within that. Yeah. Burnt, we have such a high rate of burnout. We really do. And I think we see it a lot in turnover inside the business. It might not be the head of the business that leaves, even though we're burnt out, we're so intrinsically married to every aspect of the business. We are the brand. It's very difficult to step away from, but the amount of people that cycle through a business, I think just is uh, showing you how much burnout is actually in that business. If somebody has new staff every six months, there's probably not very good boundaries in that business. 
Yeah. And, and I think another thing is when people are starting off a lot of times, just even with me, you're a one man show. So you're the marketing, you're the artist, you're the accountant, you're the janitor. And it's no wonder that you burn out and people get, it's frustrating. Then you're trying to generate business and new leads and the rest of it. And you just, it just, it just piles up to a point where you get it. People break and they think it's too much work because being an entrepreneur can be very different than what people think being an entrepreneur can be. Yeah. And growing is a problem too. Everybody wants to grow. And that's like the goal, right? Oh, I want a bigger business because that means more revenue. That means I can serve more clients and make more money. Everybody's happy, right? Except that as it gets bigger, like you were just saying, you have to hire more people. And as you're hiring more people, if you make mistakes while you're growing that business and take a financial hit, you're still responsible for the salaries of all those people. I mean, it just becomes difficult. So Kevin is also a business consultant. Does he consult for independent businesses too? Not for money. I think Kevin is so good at what he does. A lot of people always ask him for advice and tips and tricks, which he always gives, but he's never taken on a client. To be honest, he doesn't have time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So did he basically like tell you, okay, this is how we fix this while you were hitting these little bumps while you're growing? As far as a business, like from the business perspective, well, he came in and again, we just think so differently. If he's, I'm an artist and he's a numbers guy and he comes and just is probably blown away and just thinks it's crazy how I've been running things because (laughs) it's been super willy nilly, but it's worked and it's been very successful for me, but that is so not how he thinks or the world that he comes from. So when he came in, he started really implementing systems and different strategies for stuff, things I wouldn't have thought of. And that's really turned things in a different direction. And I wouldn't have even been capable of doing that myself. It's just, that is not in my wheelhouse. And that is his wheelhouse, which is why, like I was saying before, it's just, it works so well. What he does and what I do are very different, but just puts the whole thing together. And yeah, it really works. How did, um, how did you guys get into all these different publications? Because you guys have some real, I don't know anybody else who's been in as many publications as you, as you have. Um, Yahoo, BuzzFeed, YCC, your local news, the Daily Mirror, Bloomberg, the Mirror in the UK. I mean, just so yeah. So here's a fun fact. I was okay. So first off, let me just start. Let me rewind with the fact that paramedical tattooing is so visual. Yeah. So you're scrolling you tend to stop and look because you're not even sure what you're looking at. Usually, you know, if it's a breast without an areola or a massive scar or a feature that's missing, you know, from your face that then gets put back on, et cetera, et cetera. It, it just, it catches you. Right. And, and I think because paramedical is on, you know, in the newer infancy of its life that it really gets people and they're not quite sure what they're looking at. So, so many people had reached out when things would go viral. And I end up on the news all the time. And then that is, that starts to be honest, because once one news picks you up, it often gets put all like nationally that's happened to me. Um, when I, this is kind of the cool story about how I ended up in a ton of publications and got verified before verification. was. Yeah. So I had, TikTok had come out and I was really resistant to the idea of getting on it and having to post on one more platform. And like all of us, we're pretty social media out, right? So it's my husband's birthday, December 29th. Now I'm thinking a couple of years ago. And he says to me, we're having a chit chat about work, which, you know, normally we wouldn't do, but we were kind of sitting around having some drinks and sitting by the fire. And he said, I really think we should get on TikTok. And I was like, oh my God, no, I just, not one more thing. I cannot. This was Kevin's idea? Kevin's idea. So, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, he says, 
okay, well, no, I have a TikTok account already set up. And I was like, of course you do. So I looked at it. We have like seven followers. And I'm just like, this is so ridiculous. I have no desire to go, go after this, like none. And so we're sitting there and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to make a TikTok tonight. I'll, I'll do that. And I, what I did was I just put together a few before and afters of, of what I did and showed my thyroid scar, thyroid scar. That's always a showstopper. And people go, you what? Like, just like you yeah. did. You're like, you tattooed yourself that blows people away. And then the second thing is, is that they can't see my scar anymore. And then I that's, just, yeah, it's like the double whammy. Right. So I put together a little compilation takes me, I don't know, 20 minutes and I post it. And then we go on about our night and, you know, we do whatever. And so later on that evening, I'm like, okay, well, let's check. Like, let's look at TikTok again. And I, of course, I've never been on TikTok. Okay. So I don't even know the platform. I'm nothing. So at the bottom of TikTok, there's like a little head, like a little cutout of a head and a like a bust, essentially. And hey, friends, if you are enjoying today's episode, I would encourage you to go to theglamlifepodcast.com. Not only can you grab your tickets for our Christmas conference there, but you can actually watch this entire interview and you can see exclusive behind the scenes content, grab extra exclusive links in the descriptions, leave comments, ask questions, and watch the after show with Mindy and Katie. And that just keeps like the number just keeps turning over and I'm like not even sure what I'm looking at, but I ended up with 55,000 followers and international news coverage for that. It blew up. It went super viral and crazy. And the amount of press and everything that I got from that was just nothing I could have ever dreamed about. It was so exciting. Um, we traveled to Europe last summer and the national news con contacted me and I did a, an, uh, a live uh, interview with them from Rome. Like it's, wow. just, it's just turned into some super crazy stuff, which Absolutely. at the end of the day, I love because it just gives, it shines more light on paramedical tattooing, which is my jam. Um, so some people say that mother's day is the only one that gets attention, not father's day, that it's our birthdays and our anniversaries where we get showered on. But I just want to say, won't Jody do it? Her husband asked for one thing for his birthday. And Jody said, let's make it international. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fine. I'll do it. 20 minutes. Okay. That's all she needed. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Did your kids freak out when you became like famous? Like you're in all these publications and people know you and recognize you? No. The, if you talk to anybody that has any type of recognition like that, their kids are always like, who cares? Yeah. They, um, I think my kids' friends maybe talk about it more than my kids do. Yeah. Not that they're embarrassed about it, but they're certainly not like walking around going, hey, my mom's verified. I worry that they'd be embarrassed. My So, okay. This is a personal story. I'm being... um greedy here asking for your experience for my own self. So I went to open house for my son's pre-K class this year. And then a few days later, um, a lady DM'd me on Instagram and said, do you have a son in this teacher's class? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, I saw you at open house. I've been following you for a couple of years, whatever. And I'm not, you know, they're not asking me to do lives from Rome, but people in my town know who I am because nobody else lives their life like this on the internet, constantly posting things that are going on. You know, and I thought that was the first time I really had the thought of like, Oh, am I going to, are my kids going to be embarrassed that everyone knows who their mom is or that I know everybody I'm like, Oh yeah, I know her. Oh yeah. I spoke with her. Yeah. Never before. Sorry that I know all your girlfriend's moms already. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I think maybe if it was a girl, it'd be different. Maybe not. But when I've heard other people speak on a much greater level, like a, a movie star or something that, you know, their kids don't ever watch their movies. Yeah. It, it's funny. I think they just have a different mentality about it. And what I experience is not anything in comparison to it, but just, you know, to hear that their kids at that crazy level are not interested and don't care. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I guess that's normal. But I mean, yeah. my kids are 
lucky that they got that I got verified. But truly, their other friends were like, oh, my God, her mom's verified or whatever. <laughs> Back in the day and now whatever, everybody's, you know, everybody's candy. verified. Yeah. So but in the moment and in that time frame, it was very cool. That's amazing. Was there ever one specific moment when you felt like, okay, wow, this business has like made it like we're, we're, we're really doing something here. You know, I don't even know if I feel like that now. No, I I just, I think I'm always striving for more. I always want to have more students and hear more success stories about them. As far as my business goes, I think when I felt like something had really happened is when I got verified. Yeah. To be honest. That was the, the, the line in the sand that I go, wow, something's really happened here. Like this is really, if you ever tried to get verified or knew what it took to get verified. You had to have a it, lot of publications. It's crazy. Like you have to be published in so many different means of a big mainstream media, um, whether it's print television or usually a combination of both. It's, it it was a really big deal. So I think that was my really, that was my 15 minutes of fame and my, my time to shine. That was really cool. I think you have much more than 15 minutes. What about, um, what about the case that you've worked on with a client that was the, the most impactful for you? Was there ever a moment where you were like, wow, I I'm so grateful that I could help change this person's life. Truly, there's so many of them. This one I relate to all the time because I just think it it resonated with me so much because of what this gentleman had gone through. And I thought, God, like what an extreme scenario for him. And then I was the person that potentially got him on, back on track. It just felt so powerful. He was a pilot who went in for a cancer removal on his upper lip. And what ended up happening, if you know anything about when they are cutting out cancer, they look for margins that are yeah. clear. So they essentially continue to cut until they get to clear margins. And then they know it's like, okay, we're done. We've got this all. So he kind of enters into this appointment, I think, with anticipating that they'll probably take some, like remove some part of, you know, this cancer and whatever he's gone. I he was not forewarned that it could be something really extreme, which blows my mind. I mean, it's very disfiguring to have part of your face cut off, obviously, and without any type of preparation or notice. I just was like, that sounds like even malpractice to me. But, you know, I'm not a physician and I'm not, you know, up with what the standards are in that type of scenario. But he left that appointment with his whole upper quarter of his lip gone. So, you know, when you see um, like a skeleton or someone that, you know, has had that burned off and all your teeth and gums are exposed. Yeah. It's pretty scary and devastating. So he leaves with all that tissue missing and in preparation to then take a skin graft from his neck, which has beard hair growing in it. Right. And those skin grafts are taken from different areas, depending on, on where they need to be placed. I do tons of skin grafts. It's really common. And so they cut out this tissue from his neck and they adhere it to that, that part. The skin is lumpy. It's got this really weird texture. It just, it is so obvious and for you not to stare at him when you came into his presence would just almost be impossible. It was really, really disfiguring. And of course he knows it. So he now leaves his job as a pilot on stress leave, disability, whatever that was put under. And so now this poor guy is not working. Like this has affected his life, like right down to his core. So he came to see me. And so he has no vermilion border lip tissue. The beard is actually from the graft is growing out of his lip. Wow. And the 
the beard tissue that would have been probably great in the beard area is not there. And I mean, physicians can only do so much, right? I'm sure in a perfect world, that would have been great to place the graft like that, maybe for whatever reason that didn't work. So he went for laser hair removal on that tissue that needed to be lip. And once that was done, he came and saw me. And what I did was tattoo the tissue with skin color to match. We stippled beard into the area that no longer had beard. And then I retattooed the upper quarter of his lip to give him a lip. And seeing him go through that change, I think I saw him probably about three times. Uh, the last time I saw him, he was back at work. He was dating, like just huge life changes that were so moving. And just I had such a sense of gratitude to be a part of that and be the person that was able to give him confidence back. And it, where do you get to do that? You know, yeah. in, in what world? Much less do it 10, 15, 20,000 times. Yeah. That's amazing. And then I call it the Johnny Appleseed effect as an educator. We get to do something and have that one-on-one -on -one experience with our client and see the life change, right? But then we also teach people how to do it and they change lives. And that was because of a seed we planted even, you know, years ago when they took a class with us or whatever, which is a big reason why I always say you can always come back here. You, I don't care if your class was five years ago. If you want to come take a model here, you can come back here. But how yeah. amazing, like your ripple effects must be out of control because students across, what would you say, 40 countries? Yeah, 45. I'm just under 45 right now. Oh my God. Do you know them all? <laughs> I wish, I wish I knew them all. Um, I, you know, I think that is one of the best things about what I do. And the thing that I'm most passionate and excited about is them having those experiences that I have because yeah. I have them all the time and I love that. And I'll never get sick of that. But then I know that I get to share that with someone else and then they get to feel that and, and give that to somebody else. That's, that is the best thing about it for sure. And that's why I love educating this because I know that I have the capability to pass that on. That's so full circle because what you're doing kind of builds a legacy for yourself through these other artists that you're training and the people they will go on to train. And, and, and wasn't that the same story with Linda Dixon? That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And I think a lot of times it's funny because we really realize in, in certain circumstances, how connected we are like, Oh my God, I trained from her and then her and tangled yeah. web, especially in the paramedical world, because it's a little bit smaller than PMU. And PMU is already a really small subsect of the population. I think we forget that because we run into so many artists. But actually, if you just walk outside and say, what's PMU? No one can answer you. You know, we're a very small portion of the population. And you're like a tenth of that, if not like a 20th, just paramount. Yeah, so totally. you're a, a huge fish in a, a small pond. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Seven seas because <laughs> it's 45 countries. And you get it, right? You when you all I live in is this world. So I'm yeah. very immersed and and what I think is very saturated, which it is, right? Because that's all I see and do and walk and talk. But it's true. I lose sight of that to think like if I went and walked out today and said, what is paramedical tattooing or what is PMU? I, I bet you I would get maybe one in 10 people knowing, which is pretty insignificant. Yeah. I'll even have students who um, submit their form to like speak with admissions and talk about taking a class. And we've abbreviated some of the questions on that form that say like, have you ever trained in PMU before? And they'll say, what is PMU? So even people who know what permanent makeup is don't necessarily know what we're talking about. You know, I had this very condescending man call me about two years ago, almost because he does SMP and he wanted his wife to get trained in microblading or just any kind of PMU so that at his barbershop, he could do SMP and his wife could do, you know, she could pull the ladies in basically. Right. And he kept telling me um, how he was going to do the micropigmentation and she could learn how to do brows. And he kept saying it and he kept saying it. And finally, um, and I was calling it SMP and I was calling it permanent makeup. And finally he was like, do you know what micropigmentation is? 
oh my God. I said, I know what it is. I'm not certain that you know what it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, she was apparently, she was on the phone, but he wouldn't let her talk. He just kept talking over her. And I knew that it was, we were not aligned. I didn't want to work together. It didn't feel, I don't like masculine energy in my space. I have a very feminine aesthetic here that I like to keep with. Um, yeah. Just very chill vibes. Everyone's very aligned. There's never pushback. There's no drama. I like it that way. So I'll turn the student down. That's no problem. But I, I remember just feeling very like confused on that phone call. Like, I thought you were already a licensed artist. Do you actually know what you're talking about? What do you mean? Do yeah. I know what I'm talking about? I literally own a trade school. Oh. But there are so many misconceptions still in this industry. And there's, you know, for as saturated as it is with the things that we currently do, I feel like, like you said earlier, you know, it's the wild west still. There's plenty of things that we haven't even attempted yet that I think are going to become popular. Mm -hmm. um, and I, right now, I think paramedical is kind of on its way up where more people are hearing about it. More people want to do English stretch mark revision. People want to do, um, you know, flesh tone matching with stretch marks and also with burns and all, but it's such a, a specialty. I was reading some of your posts and some of your comments, like you posted one the other day that was like, um, a close up of a very texturized stretch mark. And you said, what are some things that you would consider before tattooing this person? And I don't know, because I've never tattooed stretch marks and I'm reading the comments. People had, people had opinions. Um, and one of the most notable ones was like, no, I don't think I would put pigment in that because it's so textured. See, I'd never guessed that. And as someone who's always put color in everything I've tattooed, I probably would have just gone right in the flesh tone, but there's so many complexities to the depth you're working at and you know, how things are going to heal later. It's a very specialized field that you're in and you pioneered it. So I feel like we owe you a big thanks for that one. Even testing on yourself. That's crazy. Oh. That's crazy. Cause like well, you said, there was nowhere for you to learn it from. You had to just figure it out. Yeah. Well, on behalf of me and my body, <laughs> you're welcome. No problemo. <laughs> Let me get you a trophy. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, Jody, what is next for Cinnamon Girl Tattoo? Well, you know, I, I still love being in clinic and doing services. 50% of my day is paramedical and 50% of my day is cosmetic. And I love that blend. I work three days right now in my clinic. And then I also work in plastic surgery on Fridays doing restorative areola tattoos. So possibly stepping back and being a little bit less busy is, it is a nice thought for me, but I love, I love the education part of it. I think I'll always have the brick and mortar aspect of things, but to con continue to train and, and spread the word of paramedical and teach students how to do this, because it really is life-changing. And a lot of the physicians don't know this exists. And I think there's a massive gap in the market when a physician does an incredible surgery or, you know, be it a mastectomy or a revision or, or what have you, that then can still leave a person feeling really hollow and, and not confident and able to potentially get over the stress and the trauma of that incident. And being able to close a chapter for that person with paramedical tattooing is so important. And if you could do it and educate people that it exists, why wouldn't we want to share that with everybody? Yeah. You know what I think you need to do? Tell me. I think that you should have your own board specifically concentrated on paramedical. Oh, well, that's actually, that's a great idea. The, the one thing that I have that I love right now is a study hall where all my students join and collaborate and talk about their wins and challenges. And it's a really cool place to be because I get to see so many more cases yeah. and how they, and have other students weigh in like, oh, I've done this and that. And, and that's just another bigger platform to continue to learn. And I learn stuff from there every day. So having a board of people to weigh in on is a cool idea. And, you know, I have so much free time. That'd be no, no big deal. <laughs> Give it to Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> that's so much free time. I said I should have a board. Let's do that. He'll be like, oh my God. 
No, I mean, why not? You're the, you're the name, you're the authority. And there's a lot of people out there still testing things and we don't have to test as much anymore. You don't. You don't. Well, Jody, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today for, you know, while you're baking and the dog is home and everything else. <laughs> it's a pleasure to chat with you. You're very fun. You're very laid back. And I appreciate that about you. I, I was nervous for this interview because I thought, oh my God, we've never met in person. We don't really hang out. Like, <sighs> I hope that, you know, she's, she's kind and you're even more than that. You're nicer than I ever imagined. Thank you so much for taking time out for me and my tiny podcast. Oh my God. Well, you were too kind to say all that stuff. Thank you. And I loved chatting. I love doing podcasts and having just a couch conversation with people. It's fun and different. And yeah, I never get tired of that. So anytime, my friend. Where can people find you? So if you're looking to learn paramedical, you can find me at Jody Stosky on Instagram. And if you are looking to get tattooed by me, you can find me at Cinnamon Girl Clinic. And I am in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Nice. That was amazing. And by the way, the conversation didn't actually end there. Jody and I have a ton of behind the scenes content where we had this long, she's got a recipe for you actually. So if you guys would like to access that, go ahead and hop on over to the glam life You can log in there and for free and you can see all of the episodes in full on video and you can see exclusive behind the scenes content, as well as the after show, by the way, I just want to reiterate, I know that I beat you over the head with this a little bit, but truthfully, this podcast would not be possible without brow sister PMU products. So the next time that you need some numbing, some needles, machines, or some really quality pigments, go ahead and hop over to shopbrowsister.com and you can enjoy 20% off when you use glam life 20 as the code that is the discount code from this podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you spending some time with me and with Jody. Um, yeah, this was a really good podcast. I'm so glad that we did. I was nervous for this one. It was a good one. See you guys next week. Uh-huh.